Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. All right, so welcome to the church. I'm Jay Harris. As I said earlier, I'm going to be preaching from 1 Corinthians 1 today. Um, my text was supposed to be 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. But once I started playing with this scripture, I was like, I'm going to, I mean, with this, this text, I was like, I'm going to have to jump all over this whole thing. So we're just going to literally run through the whole thing and unpack it, but because I'm just kind of schizo a little bit, we're going to jump all over the place with it, right? So we're going to actually start with verse 11, okay? We're going to start with verse 11. This is Paul, and he's writing a letter to the Corinthians, right? And so we're going to see what this is all about. So let me read it to you. So it says, for it has been reported to me that Chloe's people, that there's a quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus, all right, and Gatius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I wonder if Crispus got soggy after you baptized him. I just came with, that was straight off the head. Straight off the head right there, for real. Kings of comedy right here. All right, so, all right, so Paul, so here's the situation. Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians, right? Church at Corinth or whatever. And he's checking them, right? He's hitting them up because he's like, yo, y'all are on some crazy mess. The reports I'm getting is that y'all actually got divisions and y'all got beef amongst each other, right? So... He's like, yo, one of y'all is like, I follow this person, I follow this person, and all this other type of craziness, right? So Paul, he's literally saying to them, homie, I didn't die for you. He's saying, I didn't die on the cross for you. I didn't do none of that for you. So what in the world is this about, right? So to bring this in kind of a modern day context, how many of y'all know like a friend that's like, you ask them about church, and they'd be like, yo, I go to the church of the high prophet, apostle, deaconess, you know what I'm saying, enlightened from the fourth power, you know what I'm saying, Josephine Maxwell by way of the third generation of preachers of Normandy, some boulevard, you get what I'm saying, like I got, like I know I'm being extra with it, but I got friends that they roll like that, like it's like, everything is like, yo, it's pastor appreciation year, you know what I'm saying, I'm like, what, you're like, y'all going for the whole year, bro, like for real, and so everything is kind of leaned on, like it, it, like, the excitement in the all has went from being about Jesus Christ to being about these divisions, right? So, I, I, like Paul's letter, this first chapter is very much about the heart that's going on right here, right? This division. And as we look through it, Paul is going to expose a little bit of stuff or whatever. So, now I want to jump to Paul's greeting as he comes um, into this actual book, whatever, in the first chapter. Because I think Paul's greeting tells us a lot about where he's going. So, you know how, like, like say you got a... Um, Say you got a friend you got you to gotta roll up on and confront about something. Your hello is not the same hello. You know what I mean? Like say you meet him somewhere and you like, you know, they jump out the car. They're like, yo, what's up, Jay? I'm like, hey, bro, what's up with you, man? You know, because you know you're about to give them the business about something. You know what I'm saying? So like this week or whatever, my daughter did something. I thought she had did something. And like I went to go step to her about it, whatever, and then found out she didn't do what I thought she did. So I, in my pride, I kind of flipped. I was like, but you, you ain't sweep this, though. But, you know, so that, it was just some old prideful mess. It was something so, she just looked at me like, 
Anyway, like t that type of thing. But the thing was, if I would have said it in the right heart or whatever, if I would have said it in, this, in a certain way, I would have had to kind of, you know, flex a little way. But I said it a certain way. So Paul, to me, when my point is Paul, when he talks, when he makes his greeting here, he, he does it in a certain way. And I think there's clues here about what he's about to, what we just saw, why he's getting at their heart, right? So he says, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. All right. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So you see, he's like pointing straight to Christ, right? Like straight off the bat, he's like, Paul, called by the will of God. In other words, this has nothing to do with me. I'm called by the will of God. He's like, before he goes and he hits them and confronts them about the division, he's actually setting this up or whatever. He's like kind of reminding them what this is about in his greeting, right? So it says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those, who sanctif to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, he's putting them together, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Then the next thing he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, bringing them back to Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him. They were looking to be enriched in other ways, so he's making his point, that you were enriched in him, in all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's also pointing them to the fact that we are anchored into a future hope, right? That they're rooted in the promise, right? I'm, I'm going to jump on my notes, but that's so important right there because if you don't think of this salvation we've received in, a, in an eternal perspective, right, if you don't feel you're rich because of what's to come, then when you have a bad day, you might start sizing this thing up based on what's in front of you, right? Because today we have suffering, we have sorrows, that's what the word says. But as we go to a place of maturity, we're not really, ang we're not, we're not really, we're secure in the moment because we're secure forevermore. That's what makes us filthy rich. That's why we walk around and we deal with problems just like everybody else. But it's like, why isn't this crushing you like everybody else? Because I'm rooted in something way bigger than this. This is just a split second, right? So he's, he's, he's pushing the idea of we in this thing for the long haul. We rooted in something way bigger than just what's in front of us. And he's poking at the immature nature of their dispute and the stuff they're dealing with, right? So he says... Um, um, da, 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 so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the real revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. Their hope, so he's saying their hope until the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called in the, into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So just to explore this for a minute, whatever, Paul was saved on the road to Damascus, Right. We're all aware of that. So Paul had an experience. His name was Saul. He used to persecute Christians. So Saul was on the road to Damascus, on his way to go kill some more Christians, and then all of a sudden a light flashes and God speaks to him, right? In that instance, he sees God in his holiness, and he is completely changed forevermore. And that's how we got the Paul we see of the Bible, right? So Paul wasn't, he didn't have, he wasn't on some, man, you know, I'm getting really tired of just killing these people. I really feel like this is wrong. He didn't have an epiphany that he was doing something wrong. This has nothing to do with his heart. It's completely God doing a work on him because of God's will and God's plan, right? For most of you who know 
my experience of, of how I came to the Lord, it, it was very similar. It was a situation, I was sitting in church, not because I wanted to go to church. I was sitting in church to get some quietness because I was plotting a murder. And I made the decision in that church service to carry out the murder. And then when I walked out of the church, I heard God audibly, clear as day, speak to me. I grabbed wifey, we went right back in the church and fell on our knees. We weren't even married yet, but we fell on our knees. And I said, Lord, I said, I love drugs, I love women, I love all this dirt that I do, but God, I give you my heart. Make me hate the sin that I love. Here's the thing. When I think back about that, there's no credit that goes to me, right? No credit that goes to me. I can't say, man, I just had a heart change. I was feeling a certain way about the way I was living. It wasn't none of that. It was God saw fit. So when I give him praise and I worship him or whatever, Man, I got to lay it all at his feet, right? But like Matt said, I'm forgetful. I'm forgetful or whatever. That's, that's why I love for us to come together as a body and put our eyes and focus on him because I'm just as crazy as the, the Corinthians are. I forget stuff. I forget that he's the one that really did it and he paid the price, right? One of the points I want to push on here too is that I would argue that every single one of our salvations it's the same as a Paul to um, Saul to Paul experience. Some of us, maybe we came up in a Christian home, right? Maybe we came up in a Christian home. We have families that model stuff out. But nevertheless, whether it was a flash of lightning or God speaking to you like that, it still was the work of the Holy Spirit working in your household. Somebody in your family got hit, and then God was working through the generations through it being modeled out through your family. So... None of us really can put our hands on this and say, we're just good old people. That's just simply not the case. That's not biblical. The fact of the matter is, we should be walking around in awe all the time because this amazing thing has happened to us. And it serves us well when we remember that, right? It's hard. It, we, we forget it. You know what I'm saying? So don't beat yourself in the head. But it happens. We actually do forget it. We, and, and when we do forget it, we get nonchalant about salvation, this amazing salvation we have. And that's one of the problems, right? So Paul, you know, I'm saying all that to say is because um, one of the things, let me just say this too. One of the things also is, is this right here. When you get forgetful of that, to me, this is what Paul is getting at and why he so adamantly pushed Christ, 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 and Christ alone. Because I believe that he felt the divisions that he was, see was seeing was definitely out of them being forgetful, right? And the text will back that up about them forgetting about Christ. But here's the thing. It makes divisions when you forget the amazing thing that Christ did on the cross for us. It makes divisions because if you feel that you can add something onto it, then we can start this kind of self-righteous kind of country club thing, right? Like we can get cute all of a sudden and be like, yo, them people are jacked up over there. You know, we walk in this walk or whatever. You know, we live in this life of righteousness, righteousness and then we start setting up standards and divisions. And it's no longer about us falling at the feet of Jesus like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's brought me into something so amazing. This eternal thing right here that he saved me by his grace, by his blood, by his sacrifice. So the focus kind of gets warped up. You get what I'm coming from? So that's why it's so important and that's why it's so dangerous. And that's why Paul, as a father and as one of the leaders in the church, is fighting so hard to really confront and correct this. All right. All right. So. So Paul hits him with the confrontation or whatever, which we just saw or whatever in the previous verses or whatever about the divisions. But then Paul says this. In verse 26, he says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. 
not many were of noble birth, right? So when Paul is saying that, he's not saying um, considering your calling like your occupation. He's saying consider your calling like the fact that you were called. And what he's kind of doing this, what he's doing at this moment, Paul is actually, he's doing a little bit of a, a breaking down and building up at the same time, right? So he's about to point him to Christ, but he's kind of hitting him in the gut, just bringing him down to size real quick. Like, yo, consider your calling. Y'all are not of noble birth. You're not this and that. So he's basically saying, y'all are not as cute as you think you are. So like cut it out, right? To bring it into terms, whatever. All right. So he might have actually said that. Maybe that's the translation. Maybe the word's cute. But anyway, so, but, you know, so he's actually doing a breakdown with him. He's saying, for, he's saying, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, right? So, you know, what gets me about this right here is when I think about Paul is weakening their confidence in themselves to get them back to be focused on Christ Jesus, Right? So he's, 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 hitting them, he's hitting them where it hurts a little bit. And, you know, what's funny is that, man, when I think about church, like one thing I love about Image Church and, and what, what we do here is that I hang out with a lot of y'all during the week. And our time is not really spent around flattery like we just sitting around playing cute. Like I know a lot of people's mess inside of this room. And a lot of people actually know my mess, right? So... And, and, and based on worldly, carnal-minded standards, we might actually be walking around like, y'all need to get homie from preaching up there because you know, I heard something. You know what I'm saying? Or I may be like, I do whatever in the church or whatever. They're dirty. I know their business. I know what they struggle with. Do you get what I'm saying? That's how we would function in a worldly system, whatever. But God sees fit to use the foolish things of this world, he actually calls us broken people with issues, not perfect, still struggling with things to go herald the good news of the gospel. Amen. Like how crazy is that? That is so, so completely against anybody's standards. We size people up. We make sure they got this right. We make sure we got them right. And then we say, okay, they're fit for the job. And then we send them off and running. God actually goes and looks for people that are broken. He goes and looks for people that are broken, and then he sets them loose to go preach this amazing gospel, and that's what he's done with us. We get to be in that together. Mess, all type of mess, whatever this and that, praying for each other, encouraging each other. But one thing we do know is that we're called to go preach the good news, and we get to be a family and be joined to that, in, into that, right? All right, so, and this is why he does it. Verse 27 says, but God, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So what we see here is that it's actually God's strategy to use what is foolish, weak, low, and despised. And, and, and here's the thing. It's tailored to the problem at hand, which I think the problem there is still relevant to right now, right? So, so what you have going on in their context and the why he's being so vigilant in protecting the people in this mindset that they're getting into is because you have, in that day and age, you have the Jews, which are stuck on the law. And so they're looking at these people who are, who are putting, finding their righteousness in Christ Jesus and the freedom they have in that. And they're going, yo, you're not hitting the mark, man. Like, what are y'all talking about, this Christ Jesus thing? Like, you know, we got the Ten Commandments here. You're not hitting the rules. We talked before about um, John where you had the... Uh, you had the, 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 the Pharisee that comes in the temple, and what does he do? He runs down his resume. 
And he says, man, thank you, God. I tithe. I fast this many times a week. And he runs down this whole thing. I know I mention this all the time, but it's one of my favorite scriptures. And I think it just hits this or whatever. And so that's what the Pharisees were on. That's what they were on. They were like, they thought they were hitting the mark. And then you had the Gentiles of that day, and they were caught up on wisdom. Like they were high-minded, and they, they pondered the stars, and they were seeking technology. And the, and, and the more they discovered, the more high-minded they got. So the idea of the cross is foolishness, right? They're like, yo, we're working out our own destiny. We're charting our own path. What do I need to come? What do I need a savior for, right? And then the Jews are like, what do I need a savior for? I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the mark. I'm saving myself. I, I got this thing, right? I'm a good guy. And both of those ways lead to death. Both of them are completely anti-gospel, and Paul had a serious, serious problem with it, right? Let me just show it to you in the scriptures, right? So in verse 21, it says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach. So it's foolishness to people what we preach, but it pleased God that it would be so that we would preach this gospel to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. All right. So what you have here, whatever, you have three categories. You got a category of you have um, Jews who are unbelievers because they're bound in the law and they're not putting their faith in Christ Jesus, right? Then you have Gentiles who are high-minded. They don't think they need Jesus. They're leaning into their own wisdom, and they're unbelievers also. And then you have a third category, and that third category is Jews and Gentiles who are believers, who've laid down what, laid down what they believe to follow Jesus because they believe he's the way. Y'all tracking with me? All right. I'm going to read this verse again, all right? But God chose what is foolish in the world is shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world is shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring nothing, nothing, things that are. For me personally, and I think I've actually said this before from up here, like this scripture, when I gave my life to Christ Jesus, like I, I literally, this was what I completely fell into right here. Like from a hope standpoint, it, this this specific scripture triggered my journey with the Lord because when I saw it, when I came to the Lord, I mean, I had addictions. I was so broken. I was so messed up. And I just felt like the utter fool of the earth. You know what I'm saying? Like I was there because I was just a mess. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so when I read this scripture and I was like, man, use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I was like, man, I am absolutely perfect for this job. I've never seen you know what I'm saying? I've never had anybody ask me to, you know, if I'm a fool on a, on, a, on, a, on a job interview. But if they did, I'm like, hey, put me in the game. So when I read this right here, I was like, yo, God, put me in the game, right? So here's the situation. Just as God chose David, a boy, a watcher of sheep, a murderer, an adulterer, a bad father to slay a giant and lead his people as king, he chose us also. He didn't choose David based off of some type of awesome credentials. He empowered, he empowered him through his Holy Spirit. When Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel and, and uh, Jesse, David's father, brought all his sons to the table, he didn't even bring David to the table because he was so scrawny and he was like, 
Yo, he's out playing with some sheep somewhere. Like, we already know. We already know that you're not looking for him. We know he's not the one. You know what I'm saying? Nevertheless, true to God's word, he was looking for what seemed foolish to people, to lead his people, right? So most of us, we look around like, man, we got some mess going on or whatever, but your mess is actually qualifying you for the job, to lean into Jesus and to have faith in him, right? So, so if you feel like a mess, just join the club, all right? So um, our sickness is that we would try to qualify ourselves for the calling and it's not possible. He didn't call on us because our resume was quite impressive. By all accounts, our resume is garbage and utterly despicable to say the least. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. So what did he do? He qualifies us by his son, Jesus. Verse 29 says, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We didn't get ourselves here. It's what Paul is telling them. He's telling the Corinthians, like, you didn't get yourself here and you'll drive yourself absolutely crazy trying to stay here. Trying to qualify yourself, right? Trying to meet a mark. Like, you're starting to focus your eyes on something other than Jesus. And now you're, now you're complete. You're not, even, you're not even doing the right thing no more because now you're getting to this other thing, which is not Christ's vision for the body, right? As a body, as a family, as a church, we all have to be vigilant about the church, right? It's not just Paul's job. It was also the members' jobs or whatever. So he's really, he's jabbing them. Yo, we need to wake up. This is not really what it's about. And he's pointing them back to the gospel because he realized they're being hit from both sides. They're being hit by the Gentiles with something that wars against the gospel of Christ. And they're being hit by the Jews with something that wars against the gospel of Christ. So every time he even makes his introduction in a letter, he uses the opportunity to bring people back to what it is. It is always the measuring stick and the weight by which he kind of measures, measures things and, and weighs things, right? Um, all right, so I have a friend or whatever I talked to the other day and uh, one, of my one of my brothers this week. And so when I went to go see him, he was just like really, really, he was stressed out. And he was like, man, he said, yo, Jay, I'm just kind of like going through it. And he really was just kind of leaning into me. Just he, I mean, he was actually literally weeping about some things going on in his life. And, um, and one of the things he said to me, he was like, he said, man, I, I've made all of these promises to God. And he says, I keep on breaking them. You know what I'm saying? And he was just like, I didn't expect my life to be like this. He was like, you know, I didn't expect it to be such a mess. Like, I'm a failure on all accounts. Like, everything I keep telling the Lord I'm going to do and I'm going to stand up and stand strong for, I completely destroyed. He's like, every single time. And he was just wallowing in that, right? And so I told him, I said, bro, I said, the word tells us that God's mercies are renewed every morning. Right? I said, so, bro, I said, yo, how, how many mornings ago was that promise you made? Like, you, you're walling in something from, like, you know what I'm saying? For, like, how long ago? God's mercies are made. I'm like, bro, you can make a new, a new promise today. Make a new promise today then. But I was telling him, I said, you're really, you're really trying to make a law for you to prove yourself to God. Right? You, 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 you're, you're, you're in despair because you're looking for something you can actually boast about. Like you're looking to make a rule that you can be like, yo, God, I said I was going to do this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. I mean, it seems so logical to do that, right? 
I mean, he's an amazing God. It seems logical that we would set up standards and try to meet him or whatever. He deserves it, right? But the fact of the matter is, that's not the way this works. It's, it's fruitless, right? It's kind of like this right here. It's like when Peter, um, it's like when Peter comes to, when, when Jesus is about to wash Peter's feet, right? And Peter's like, nah, you can't wash my feet, Lord, never that. You know what I'm saying? And Lord, and, and, and Jesus tells him, he goes, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have any part in me. Do you, do you understand that? Peter's thinking is, Lord, I'm going to wash my own feet. Far be it from you to wash my feet. But Jesus, it, Peter is showing the classic symptom we have of like, Lord, I'm a mess. I can't let you love me. You understand what I'm saying? And Jesus is saying, this, the only way this works is if you let me engulf you with my grace, mercy, and love. This doesn't work any other way. Everything else is a failure. There's no way to get around this. Either I swallow you up with this, with this, this all-consuming love, this sacrifice from the cross that is going to save you for eternity, or there is, there's nothing. Matter of fact, you're my enemy because what you're pushing is com in complete war of what I came to do, right? So, like, man, we have to put down the boxing gloves and just like, Jesus, get on the feet. Get on the feet. Hit them. <laughs> Throw a pedicure on them bad boys or whatever. Watch that one on the left. It might cut you, though. Be Watch is a little sharp, all right? But, but, you get, but you get what I'm saying. Like, I'm making light of it, but, man, we have to let Jesus do what he came to do. And here's the thing. He was setting an example for how we're supposed to live. He's our master. So when he hit the feet, he's like, I'm your master. I'm hitting your feet. What do you think you're supposed to do in the streets? Right? What do you think that's supposed to look like? And, and, and this is the strategy of God because he is setting it up that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So that it is written, let, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We don't get any, any, like, we have to be vigilant in watching ourselves trying to get cute with this thing. Like, getting nonchalant about Jesus. Like, and it happens, right? You can almost taste it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was talking to a guy this week or whatever, and he was bringing something up to me. He was telling me how, he's like, man, y'all, I'm no good with money, bro. He's like, man, when I get money, it's like when I get blessed or whatever, I'm a mess and I start moving the wrong way. And the thing is, I, I identify with him because there was a season I was in that too. And it's like, man, come up on a couple G's, all of a sudden my strut is different. I'm just like, brum, brum. hey, what's up? How you doing? Yup, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just like pulling out the same like bank account paper. It's like old. And I'm like, mm-hmm, they still in their zeros. Like, and I'm just like, yo, my heart started drifting. I got cute for a minute. I, Christ stopped being the prize. I stopped being amazed and stopped being in awe. of him. I thought that I had something to add to it, right? Like we have to stay poor before him and rich in him, right? Nobody gets to get to heaven and boast. My homie or whatever, I told you that was on his just whole kick over despair. I told him, I said, bro, you're floating in the sea of self-righteousness right now. And Christ is sitting over there like just a lifesaver right next to you. All you got to do it's just reach over there. Like you're worn out trying to get your backstroke together and trying to float and hold your breath and all that. I'm like, yo, you don't got to do that. I'm like, bro, I'm a mess. So I leaned on the float. Just, I'm just, I don't even got to make myself float no more. I'm just leaning on the float. Like I'm leaning on the lifesaver. He's got me right now. And I'm putting all my faith inside of him that he's going to hold me up. I can't do it. I don't even want to play like I can do it no more. It's exhausting trying to tread water like that. And you know you're going to drown. 
Does that make sense? All right. What do you think comes next once he grabs that float? What do you think his ministry is going to sound like? Do you think he's going to tell stories about how to, how to tread water? He's going to talk about that float he's leaning on. He's going to talk about the float, right? He's going to talk about Jesus Christ. Not all these other things. He's going to talk about Jesus, the one who saved him, right? The one who secured him for eternity, right? The one he finds life in. The one that does what he can't do for himself. It's going to... Us holding on to this lifesaver and holding on to Jesus keeps us from going into our vain imagination of how we're actually helping him do that. It's useless, right? We're going to talk about the flow. We're going to talk about Jesus. It's what's keeping us up. And it'll, it's, it's, he's faithful. We, here, peep this out right here. It says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption, right? So he is literally saying Christ Jesus is our wisdom. We size up everything by him, right? When Jesus says, um, esteem others higher than yourself, try walking around in the streets and think like that. You'll barely be able to make it to your next destination because you'll be stopping your car helping people so much. All that will be in your mind um, okay, or doing to others as you would have them do unto you, right? You'll be like, man, they look like they're in the jam. If I was in the jam, I want somebody to stop. It starts to change your whole game. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, Christ Jesus becomes our wisdom. Him washing our feet, it becomes our wisdom. It makes no sense to people who are perishing and don't get the gospel, but it makes perfect sense to us. Why are y'all running after these people? They're destroying themselves. Why are you chasing them down? I'm chasing them down because they need to hear about Jesus Christ. Because I was destroying myself. And I didn't get smart and go save myself. Jesus came and pursued me. And now I get to participate in this army of a family we have to go pursue people who are perishing. No matter how foolish they may look. Because that means they're perfect for the job, right? This just goes full circle. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He's now our righteousness. We get credited with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The perfect life he lived, he took our sins on the cross, and we get credit with his righteousness. His Holy Spirit was promised to us when he, when he left, and the Spirit for us who believe resides inside of us, and it is sanctifying us every day. It's pointing things out to us. It's faithful in the idea that when you make a mistake, that thing that you feel at times, that's the spirit of God moving, working on you, taking you to another place. Sometimes it looks like this. Sometimes it looks like that. It looks like that. But you are given justification 100%. So when he looks down from above, we're looking like Jesus to him, even on your worst day, because you're one of his. That's absolutely crazy. All right. I'm going to wrap this up with this. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's the end of chapter 1. But that's what Paul's statement to the Corinthians was. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. He was killing their confidence in themselves and bringing it back to Jesus Christ. Right? He was bringing it back to Jesus Christ. We're about to take communion. And... Um, 
when we do take communion today, what I want us to do, I want you to, uh, I want you to take communion. If you're a believer, and the Bible says if you're a believer, then you take, you take part inside of the table. You take part in the table. If you're not, then you shouldn't. Um, and if you want to be a believer, come grab me. I'll be sitting over here. We, we can talk if you feel like the Lord is working on you. But I say all that to say this. Um, as you come forward today and you, and you take the bread and you dip it inside of the uh, juice, which symbolizes his blood, the bread represents his body. I want you to just think about what we just talked about today. That this is our hope, right? This is our hope as a church to not be divided, right? The world says that we shouldn't be a multi-racial, ethnic, economically, you know, different congregation. That's what they say. But we, our response to that is Jesus Christ. Like, our hope is in Jesus Christ. We're just as feeble as anybody else. But Jesus Christ is what brings us here. This is what we gather around to celebrate. Because before him or whatever, everything's level. We're all broken for him, right? Man, we're like filthy rich in that. We're filthy rich in that we have been called unto him. But it was a work that he did. So after we take the table and as we praise and worship, man, let, let's celebrate that. Let's sing to him because of what he did, right? Because of what he did and let's remove ourselves out of that, right? So, Ben, y'all can go ahead and come up. So I just want to pray us out real quick. Everybody just bow your heads. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your, your, your word and your scriptures, Father, Lord. And, and um, we thank you, Father, for being faithful to us and reminding us that uh, we are made of flesh and we do make mistakes. And, and, and bring this back to understanding how desperate we are for you. And, um, Father, we declare that we're desperate, Father Lord. Father, we come before you in repentance, Father, for forgetting, for, for you know, judging, for sizing people up based on our standards, Father Lord, forgetting that, um, that we're nothing without you, Lord. So we pray that you would bring the taste of the, your richness back to us, Father Lord, that our body and our dead flesh, which seems to fight against the wonder and awe of who you are and us really comprehending that, we pray that you would, you would pierce our hearts with your love, with your understanding, with gratefulness for what you have done, Father Lord. I pray that you would help us to understand the eternal um, gift you've given us. I pray for a spirit of contentment, Father Lord, that we wouldn't be looking at what's going on now, but we would be nonchalant about even our woes we have now because we can be content because we know we're filthy rich after this. New bodies, pain gone, a new heaven, a new earth, and we get to be a part of that, Father. So right now, even when we're in pain, even when we're in distress, even when life is hard, we get to still scream out, thank you, Jesus. We get to say glory to your holy name. On our worst day, worst day, we get to say praise and bless your holy, holy, holy name. Because we're not stuck inside of the moment, but we're in something that, that is way beyond us. And this is just a split second. So we get to praise for what you've done. And we put our faith in that. By faith, we take hold of that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen.